Tell me your story. Tell me your story. How did it all start? Do you remember? Oh, I know what happened. How did it stop? You're now tuned into the Small Business Origins Podcast. I love an origin story. Each week, we dive into the real stories of entrepreneurs and businesses from across the nation. Who is he and what's his origin story? Who started with just an idea and are now making waves. I told you this was a good idea. This is Small Business Origins. Yeah, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Small Business Origins. I'm your host, as always, John Kelly, aka John the Marketer on Instagram and TikTok. And you're tuned in to our nationwide search. We're looking for entrepreneurs that have a story to tell. And joining us virtually from Charleston, South Carolina, we have Kimsey Hollyfield with Hollyfield Financial. Kimsey, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, buddy. Man, it is always our pleasure. We love meeting people from across the country and telling their origin stories and their business stories, their entrepreneurship journeys. But before we hop into all of that, we always start our show out with an icebreaker question. And today's icebreaker question is, what is a bucket list item you would like to accomplish soon? A uh, bucket list item I would like to accomplish soon. Let's see. I want to do another marathon. I did the San Francisco marathon a little while back and I want to, I'd like to do another marathon somewhere, right? Just to complete that again. I never thought that going on a vacation would be on my bucket list, but with COVID and the shutdown and everything else, you know, we, we got to go on a few vacations over the past couple of years, but cruising has been something that we haven't been allowed to do in so long. And so I wouldn't say it necessarily qualifies as a bucket list item, but it's something that I sure miss doing. Um, It was a bucket list item for me before I went on my first one. And then, uh, you know, enter a little bit of time and a little bit of money. And we were able to go on several cruises. And then we took our last cruise, actually January of 2020. We got back and we were stuck out um, just outside of the port for a little while, about four or five extra hours on the sea because they had a fatality boat wreck oh my God. Uh, inside the port that they were investigating. And while we're sitting there, you know, just trying to kill time, watching TV, that kind of thing, the news is reporting on this brand new virus that they've found in China called coronavirus. Oh my goodness. And we were just kind of, my wife and I were looking at each other and we're like, man, you know, this is probably just something else, you know, bird flu or, you know, whatever else that's going to be like this, this big rage. And then it's going to fizzle out and, you know, wind up being not nothing, but you know, not as bad as we figured out it was going to be. I thought the same thing. I thought this can be a two week deal. Exactly. And then it turned into years of our lives. And uh, so, man, it kind of puts cruising back up on my bucket list of like, I want to create, you know, go on my first cruise that I've been able to go on in the past. I mean, that's been over two years now, three years. So well, you can take a lot of, we have cruises out of Charleston here, where I'm in Charleston. We have cruises out of here. Um, pretty, pretty good cruises. Yeah, cruises are pretty fun. You know, I'm actually going to Texas for the first time next month. I'll be in Dallas for about a week. Okay, nice. And uh, so I don't know if that is bucket list, but maybe, you know, we'll go try to see a Mavs game that Lakers are playing, uh, the Mavericks. And so maybe that's like a bucket list item. Heck yeah. Man, I'll tell you, Texas is, I know I live here and I'm biased as hell, but Texas is a beautiful place to visit, to live. Um, It is absolutely, if you live anywhere else in the country and you haven't been to Texas, it's somewhere that you need to go. Just like me living in Texas, you know, I had to go to New York, had to go to Boston, 
uh, had to go to LA. Like I've got my bucket list items of places that I need to go visit for sure. And uh, Texas has to be on your list. Dallas, a lot of history there. Yeah. A lot of big things that have happened there. You know, Houston, San Antonio, all of them are just excellent destinations to go and get your uh, U.S. and Texas history like little tour in. So. For We're mainly sure. going Dallas. I want to do San Antonio and Houston, uh, obviously, another time. But, but yeah, I think it's probably going to be a really cool trip. Be a lot of fun. We're big on Texas history down here, obviously, and uh, yeah, San Antonio is. If you if you like Texas history at all, if you like uh, the story of the Alamo and stuff like that, you have to go to San Antonio and check out. It's a lot different than people think it is. You know, uh, even myself growing up in Texas, first time I ever visited the Alamo, I was just shocked. I was like, this yeah. is so small and and so different. So definitely a place that people need to visit. Awesome, man. Well, we're here to talk about you today. Uh, so let's crack it open and get started. And just tell me all about Kimsey, where you came from. What's your origin story? Yeah. So I grew up in Western North Carolina. And so you're in Texas. So probably, you know, people would think like App- Appala- Appalachian, you know, right? Um, very country. A small town outside of Asheville. And, um, you know, we grew up like a lot of people around there, very poor, uh, very, you know, very hardworking. My, my family, my parents, very hardworking, but, you know, we didn't have a lot of money, right? And um, it was, uh, you know, it was uh, uh, just growing up like that. And, um, and then, you know, getting a little bit older, I, I, I always was interested in how people made money and how people I always thought it would be really cool to own a business and sort of be your own boss you know I didn't realize all the the headaches and the the things that come with that right but I you know but I, I as a kid I thought I want to really work for myself and I was just I remember running a newspaper route one day and I used to run this newspaper route um, and I, I would look at the houses and think God how do these people live? like this like how do people afford to live and it wasn't like i was in like you know mansions it was just how do people get to a situation in their life where they can just be comfortable you know because growing up that that money stress was always there you know and i I think a lot of people have that um across the country maybe maybe as much or more now as ever Uh, but when i got a little bit older and you know i I started kind of understanding how things work a little bit more i I thought it'd be really cool. I didn't understand what the job was, but I thought it'd be super cool to be able to help people with their money. Like I, I realized that people had money and they put it somewhere and then it grew. And I thought this is interesting. And this is literally, I'm like middle school, high school at the time. So I didn't really understand the technicalities of it, but you know, but I, I then I realized, Hey, I really want to be a financial advisor, right? I want to be able to help people manage those investments and the retirement accounts and stuff. And I started, um, I started Hollowfield Financial Group when I was 25, and I called it Hollowfield Financial Group because it was me at home, Hollowfield, right? Uh, financial, and it was just me. And I thought it'd be cool to have a couple people that worked here. I'll call it group, right? And and uh, that was literally the the process behind it. And um, and now we have you know a few offices, and we, you know we 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 manage a lot of money for people, and it's it's a it's a fun thing uh, to do, but it all started from, you know, being, being young and, 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 you know, having, you know, not having um, the extra things and, you know, and, and, and getting that work ethic 
you know, from a very young age. I, I guess that's sort of my brief origin story. So what exactly are you doing when it comes to money management then? Because I know financial services are such a wide gambit of things from, um, you know, like you had mentioned, retirement accounts to I'm bringing you money to invest and I want to get, you know, richer um, or I mean, just anything. Financial services is so broad. So what exactly are you doing? We focus in a very special, special niche here of of retirement planning. So most of our clients are between 55 and 65, and they're about to retire. And they're just trying to figure out if they have enough money to retire, if their money's going to last, if, if, if they can make it through this next phase of life. So what I do is I meet with these people through our, our uh, financial planning events. We, we do a, a lot of public events. I meet these people 55 to 65, and, uh, and I help them craft a, a plan with, you know, with getting their income right, making sure their money lasts, making sure everything's taken care of to get them through that, that next phase of life. That makes sense. So what, um, I've had a few financial firms that I've spoken to over the years and, uh, I I get varying answers, believe it or not. I mean, it it makes sense to me. Everybody kind of has a different opinion on it, but when do you think I need to start thinking about retirement? Think about planning for retirement? Yeah. Well, you know, your client, if you think of your ideal client when they're coming in, when is a good time for you to start talking to them so you have time to make sure that they're set up? So you should start planning, saving you know, as soon as possible, but you should start planning for retirement. I, I'd say that that five years before is really the um, the the red zone, right? If you think about like a football and you know, you text us, you think about football analogy. That's exactly where I went. That red zone where you're like literally like five years, you don't want to be like, have gone all the way down the field and now you're on the, you know, just right almost, almost to the end and then doing something really crazy, right? You, you want to be pretty safe. So that's where you've got to start making your adjustments. Like say like five years out, start making your adjustments, making sure that, Hey, the market's up. You know, we don't want to lose a bunch of money right before we retire. Um, you, you don't want to make bad decisions on Social Security and you know things like that. So that that five year window. And if you put a number on it, I would say uh, 59 and a half is the number where you can start withdrawing from your retirement accounts with no penalty. So right around there is a really, really good number. Say, say 60 years old. If you can start planning there to make some changes, that's that's what I would say. That makes sense. What are some good things that clients can do to kind of prep themselves for a conversation with you? Uh, prep themselves for a conversation with me is more of just, you know, having your, you know, your statements and your, your questions and your, you know, your biggest concerns ready. Um, tax, you know, tax statements are always important. A lot of what I do is folks will have accounts. They'll bring in their statements and we look at their statements together. I was with a lady the other day um, and I'm sitting there and I pulled her statement up and I'm just going through the very simple, right? I'm just going through her statement. Here's how much money you have in stocks. Here's here's this, here's this fund here. We pulled it up on Yahoo Finance, like super simple stuff, right? Here's Here's your fees. And she just said, no one has ever showed me this. And I'm like, no one's ever showed you. This is literally your statement. Like, what do you talk about with your advisor? And 
Like a lot of people in my field have gotten really lazy because the market has just gone up for so long, right? For like, you know, since the last crash, real big crash was um, the housing bubble, right? So that, that was a long time ago, you know, 2008. And so my industry has gotten super lazy where you could just stick people's money into the market and whatever you pick, you shut your eyes, you pick something that's going to go up. Um, but, uh, but if, if folks will bring in to me their, their statements and stuff, man, I, you can take that and in 15 minutes show them things that they didn't even know were there and make a big, big difference, uh, you know, in what they're trying to do, just understanding it. So do you think that's the biggest mistake people are making or, or what is a huge mistake that you're seeing trend in people, uh, when it comes to their retirement? Two, um, the too much fees and way too much risk. Uh, I had two people come into my, uh, into my office yesterday. Um, they, same thing. Here's my accounts. Something's not right. Right. This is not really growing. Um, the, the husband had a, had 4.21% in fees on his account over 4% in fees. Um, and the wife had almost 4% in fees, which is unbelievable. And, and they, and they didn't know. And I got that by calling the company, like, can you break down the fees? Right. And, um, and it's just shocking. Like, so obviously reducing that, you know, more money in your pocket because you're not shoveling it all out. Um, and then too much risk. Uh, a lot of my clients actually end up coming from New York, uh, New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania. They move down here because the weather's great and cheaper and all, and all that. And they come down here. This lady, this lady came down the other day um, and she's a client of ours now, but she had lost a hundred thousand dollars this year in her accounts. And she said, well, I've taken a lot out. So I, I think a lot of this is that I've taken out. And, and we looked and I'm like, no, you, you've taken out like 70, but you lost a hundred, you know, and, and she's about to retire, you know, and, and, and the advisor just says the same thing that I hear. Oh, well, the market's down. So you're losing money. It'll come back. Right. But you don't actually have to lose money when the market's down. Like you can actually do some different things. Um, but that's what people do the most is they have, excessive fees on their accounts and they have way too much risk, especially to be 60, 62 years old and about to retire. It would be like if you had the lead in a football game, you get to the red zone and you're just doing like, like three and four laterals, you know, uh, you know, halfback passes. And it's like, why are you doing this? You know, you just need to be kind of safe and not be so, you know, so aggressive with everything. Yeah, I mean, I can I can kind of see that just because the little bit of dabbling I've done on my own um, in investment accounts like my four hundred one k, and then you know choosing where I want my money to go as far as like TMRS and all these other different platforms that we have here um, for my jobs, it's there's definitely some choices there where you can definitely invest aggressively or you can invest a little bit more conservatively. And that's kind of the mindset that I've had naturally without knowing a whole lot about the financial industry is while I'm young, do it aggressively, you know, and I'm still, I'm kind of chicken when it comes to it. I don't want to lose a whole lot of money. Um, I kind of like the sure thing with a little bit of risk. So I stay in that moderate classification of, 
you know, risk some and possibly lose some, but I know that in the end it's going to be a wash because I didn't go so aggressive that I lost a lot of what I put in. And at the same time, <clears throat> I'm not so conservative that I'm going to retire with basically what I put in. So um, when I'm navigating these waters of looking for an agency like yours, it seems like communication is something that I really need to demand out of the person that I'm working with. Uh, and it sucks that, you know, you have to kind of have these things in mind, but everybody does business differently. So what are some red flags that I should be looking for with an agency? And then at the same time, what are those good things? Um, maybe some things that you do at Hollifield that are a little bit different than your competitors. Yeah. Yeah. So the number one reason that most people leave their financial advisor is, uh, is a lack of communication and not lack of return, right? Um, and so the biggest, you know, the, the biggest thing that I see is the, the advisor never reaches out. Um, the advisor, not as much like doesn't return phone calls, that sort of thing. But if, you're, if your financial advisor never brings you anything new, and it's just always the, the market is up. You made money. The market is down. You lost money. That's kind of a big red flag because they should be doing something. You know, they're tax loss harvesting. There's new R and D rules. There, there's new things going on all the time. And you, you should, you should really keep up with that and try to help your clients understand those if they apply to them, you know, just some new ideas. Right. Um, the one of the thing that we do so we have some clients in different states but a, most of our clients are obviously close to us right i like doing client events where so we just got our are are getting our first top golf here in at the end of the month um in charleston and so boom we're on the phone we're, we have a we have a client event scheduled we, we're taking 30 clients out um, and you know, and we're going to go play golf, you know, and, and, and just have some fun. And while I'm there, I'm not going to be going around with, you know, with a marker board or a PowerPoint, but while I'm there, you know, they know that, you know, they can ask questions and, you know, it's a way to keep in touch. We are, we're doing the minor league baseball game in May. Um, we have a suite and once again, same, same thing. Um, but we also do about 70 public events a year. And so we normally will do them at a restaurant. And what I do is we'll get like a Roos Chris or Capitol Grill or Fleming's or, you know, something like that. And, and I get up and I talk for like an, an hour, maybe a little less than an hour and they bring the food out and everybody eats and, you know, and it's a really good time. And we try to make it fun and we try to make it an event. So that's our primary way that we get clients that, and, and like referrals but all of our clients can come to all those events if they want, right? So we, I have clients that will come to half dozen of these a year just for the free meal and just to go out, you know? Um, but they're also getting, you know, their questions answered and, and that's a really good way that we're able to keep up with people. Yeah, no, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I'm, heck, I want to sign up as a client just so I can get that free meal six to 12 times a year and, yeah, people, you know, go out to Top Golf. People like free food. For yeah, sure. I'm a big... I'm a big fan of Top Golf too, so you're speaking my language there. Awesome, right? Are you a uh, are you a golfer? Uh, I I try sometimes, but I'm not very good. <laughs> uh, right? It's it's tough because you got to play so much to get good, 
Uh, but I'm I'm okay. Are you are you a golfer? Uh, we golf. I'm not okay, and I'm not good. I, I did get a trophy at a tournament <laughs> once, though. Yeah. Uh, we got last place, and it has a poop emoji on it, and says <laughs> at least you tried. Uh, that is a true story. We have two two trophies here, one in the office and one at my house. I love um, that. But it is fun. It, it's absolutely fun. We're terrible at it, but we do enjoy just going out there, swinging the clubs. Uh, and a lot of business is done on the golf course, too. So it's it's absolutely something that people need to do. But top golf, top golf makes it to where you can you can suck and it's so much fun. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's like a bar and bowling and golf put together. We played um, we played one of their matches because we used to just go there and play like the regular classic top golf. You know, you hit it and the further you go and if you land inside of one of the holes and all that kind of stuff, you make more points. And we played the Angry Birds version of it the other day and that was a <laughs> lot of fun man we absolutely enjoyed that so i can't wait for y'all to get that up there i know i know that's gonna be a fun event um so I'm so excited you kind of alluded to this then you said you know you don't have to necessarily live close by enough to go to these events and stuff to be a um a customer of yours but are you serving people nationwide or are you mainly focused on those customers that are nearby not nationwide but we so we're opening an office in Florida, um, in Jacksonville at the end of this month. And then we have clients, uh, we have in Savannah. Um, so call it Florida, Georgia, North Carolina, Tennessee. And then I have some clients in, you know, scattered around New York, Pennsylvania, but, um, we, I don't know that we'll ever be like nationwide, uh, because I think I want to have an office in wherever we really, you know, we're going to do something in Raleigh. That's a really good area. Um, you know, and, you know, and we might, you know, say, all right, Dallas is really great. Pop an office in Dallas. But I, I, I think you lose so much of, of that personal interaction. If you just say, Hey, you know, everything's going to be online. Boom. Cause you can do that by yourself. You know, if you, if you want to hire a financial advisor, you really want, People hire me, I, I think, because they like me and they think I'll help them. And, you know, and, and I think that's a big part of it. Yeah, no, I 100 percent. I mean, for me personally, it's always about the human connection and the personal connection. So we have clients nationwide. We have no problem with that, especially with the virtual um, capabilities these days of being able to hop on a call and talk to people and and that kind of thing. But it, it is nice when you have someone close by that you work with every single day on projects like what we're involved in. So um, I can 100% understand where you're coming from on that. You mentioned Florida. It seems like most of the financial firms I've spoken to are either partnered with, um, you know, that larger investment firm that has a huge office in Florida, or they are opening an office in Florida. Is it because it's the retirement mecca of the United States? Is that why? Could be, uh, you know, uh, it could be that there's a ton of retirees, yeah, um, or it could be tax purposes, right? Gotcha. Taxes in Florida are a lot better, um, but you know, I when I did the numbers when we were going to start doing events in in Jacksonville, um, so I actually live just outside Charleston. But if you if you take my area, which is Somerville, Charleston, and add it all up just the Jacksonville area was like four times, five times more people that fit our demographic than where I'm at. I'm like, this is fantastic. Yeah. And you look and there's a hundred great restaurants and there's a bunch of office space. I'm like, this is awesome. You know? So 
you know, our area, does, you know, Charleston does have uh, some difficulties that some of these other areas don't. Um, and, you know, and I mean, when you can look and you can pick and you can say, oh, Orlando, or Jacksonville, whatever is great. Raleigh, there's tons of money in Raleigh, tons of people retiring in Raleigh. Uh, and you can just kind of go through and, and see, you know, then then that might be the, the reason. And then it might just be, hey, you know, we, we save on taxes or things are cheaper or, or, or whatnot. Might be a combination. Yeah. So when I bring my retirement the accounts. Weather too, you know? Oh, dude, the weather. Yeah. I mean, I just hate that it rains all the time. Right. Yeah. But it might be people, you know, they're, they're in New York and they, they hate it because taxes are high and maybe the weather sucks and boom, they go down to Florida and it's great paradise except for the hurricane yeah i mean the weather's beautiful it's just you know you're gonna get that afternoon shower in in florida every time i go there yeah. every single day there's an afternoon shower the good news is it clears out pretty quick and then you get back to whatever you were doing yeah so my question is when i'm bringing all of my accounts and everything to you and having you kind of manage that retirement what is this what is it based on i mean obviously i know your ultimate goal is to get me as much money as possible um, but how exactly are we going to set me up for what I need? And is that a conversation that we're going to have? Like, hey, what are your goals? Yeah. And it's not always to try to get you as much as possible, but it's to try to get you the retirement that you want. I, a lady um, earlier this week, she came in and, and she said, I don't have to have as much as possible, mm. but I want to retire as quickly as possible. And so what I do is, like she said, I, I don't want to work until I'm 70 to have more money. Right? I want to be done, you know. And um, so everybody's uh, goal is a little different. So what I do is we look at a few different things. And the first is income. You can retire at any age if you can replace your income, right? So you want to replace your income uh, in the most guaranteed way possible. If you can do that with a guaranteed payment, then much better than if you have to invest in penny stocks, right? That's not really. So the first thing is, can you replace your income? Uh, and then the second thing that we look at uh, is, you know, your investments. How are they structured? Making sure that when you should pull out of this, you should pull out of that. And, and then we look at taxes. Um, you don't want to be giving all your money to the government. You want to do that in the best way possible. And then healthcare and legacy. Those are the five things that, that we do. But the most important thing is just replacing that income and doing it in a guaranteed way, if possible, uh, that, that comes in. I call it mailbox money. You go to the mailbox, you open it up, there's money, you spend it all. Because listen, the, the people who really have fun during retirement, they're not the people necessarily that have a ton of money. You don't have to have a million dollars or two or three million dollars um, to retire. It's the people who have a guaranteed payment every month, either a pension or an annuity or their retirement account, whatever that is, because those are the people, it doesn't matter if the market's down, right? Because they know they're going to go out, they're going to have fun, they're going to spend all them, they're going to top golf, they're going to go to restaurants, they're going to have fun. And then at the end of the month, boom, the money comes in again, right? And if you can fix that, then that's like your first foundational piece that you have to have. So what does retirement look like with you? Am I uh, still going to make more money or is this like a lump sum that I'm taking out as soon as I'm of that age where I just take everything that I was able to make? Uh, 
normally it's a rollover. Normally clients come to us and they have these 401ks or IRAs and they rolled over. Um, and then we're, we're trying to do three things. We're trying to keep it very simple. We're trying to get a reasonable rate of return. Uh, and we're trying to have a lot of safety. So safety, a reasonable rate of return, and simplicity. Um, but normally it is rolling over accounts and then starting to draw at, at certain times. Gotcha. So it's kind of like, you know, you're saving up to a goal number. And then once you get there, your job is to protect that goal number and say, we don't want to go less than this ever so that my mailbox money comes in every two weeks or every month, I get the same amount, you know, that I'm drawing. And then hopefully you are also able to manage it in a way where there's some growth, but it's obviously not going to be moderate or aggressive. It's going to be a conservative growth period. Right. And then all the prep work that goes into it is to make sure that it's a big enough number that you can sustain at a minimum what you were trying to accomplish. Exactly. And I'll tell you, in safe accounts, like really safe accounts, you can still average like four to seven percent. Like it doesn't have to be like in the bank. Like you can be very, you know, it can still be very reasonable. Um, and and also, you know, some people have uh, goals of I need to leave money to their to my kids, or I'm really concerned if I get sick and I have long term kids. So you try to you try you know everybody has like that one X factor of this is their thing. So we try to fix that too. But listen, there's a lot of things out there that that you can do now. For example, um, a lot of people are trading out their you know the, the old like 60-40 stock bond put it back hope for the best it's not really a, a financial plan anymore um so a lot of people are actually moving out of their traditional bond funds and doing structured notes where just kind of a, a, a brief overview a structured note um it can pay you an interest rate or it can pay a, a like what you would consider a dividend um, but I mean, they are not two or 3% like is in a lot of, bo of traditional bonds. They're like six, eight, 12% interest and very safe, uh, very, very safe. So a lot of our clients are, are trading out their bonds that are pretty safe and pay 3% for structured notes that are very safe and pay 10 or 12. And man, that makes a big difference. That makes a huge difference. Yeah, I know one thing one thing that's hard for me is when I think about retirement, yeah, it seems impossible because I'm just not the type of person that likes to um, not have a job or a task. I'm a very task-oriented person where I want to have something to accomplish every day. Right. Um, but I can tell you I would love to get paid my mailbox money to golf all the time, cruise all the time, travel all the time, you know, that kind of thing but I still want to know that somehow my money is working for me. So that is something Yeah, I just kind of see myself probably still being involved in some type of like, I guess my plan with you would be, I need to have um, a certain amount of cash that I have separate from my total retirement that I can still make work for me Yeah, just through a financial way where I'm investing in certain people or certain companies or things. And I'm not having to make the financial decisions. I'm just that angel investor that, you know, gave a million and then walked out with five or six. Like, that's my goal. And you know what? Here's the thing. If you if you have that foundation of that safe portion, that's your mailbox money, then you can take that other portion and you can actually be kind of aggressive with it if you want. You can do things like that and try to grow it because 
even if it doesn't work out very well, you're still taken care of, right? So, so one of the most important things uh, when you go into retirement is making sure that each portion of your money has a job, right? It, it's, it's not like you're, you've just been saving it for 40 years and it's just all trying to grow. Each portion of your money ha- has to have a job. So I use an example of, of a house. So you have your foundation of your house, which is like your safe portion that you know pays you. You have your your walls and, and you have your roof, which your roof would be like like the the stock market money or the or the angel investing or you know something that's a little more aggressive, right? And um, if each if you really break it out, so each portion of your money, like I need a hundred thousand dollars to go here because that's going to pay me this much. This other half million dollars that can be really aggressive. You know, then you can you can break it up, and if everybody has a job, then it becomes a lot more efficient. But you know, another thing that you mentioned, a lot of times retirement is not just hey, I'm gonna. I, I think we still think about retirement as I'm gonna quit work and I'm gonna sit on the couch and watch. What did my grandma watch? Jerry Springer. You know, big big Springer fan and a um, uh, soap operas. That doesn't really have to be the the deal anymore. You know, people retire and they're 60 or 65 and they're going to be retired for decades and they travel and and maybe they still work a little bit, right? Maybe, you know, that that might seem funny to say, like you retire, but you still work. But I have a client who works a couple days on the golf course because they let him play golf for free. And that's what he wants to do. He wants to play golf every day. So he's like, shoot, I'll do this. I have some clients who, um, uh, uh, bartend uh, some, and they don't they don't need the money, but you know, but it's like they like to get out, or or they'll usher at um, at concerts or plays and and things, you know. So it doesn't have to be like boom, you get to this point and you hang it up. I look at retirement as financial freedom. It's whatever the age and the number is that you don't have to work but you still can if you want to, you know? Yeah. I, like you, I grew up extremely, uh, well, it kind of goes back and forth. When I was first born, uh, my parents did extremely well for themselves. They had, you know, great middle income jobs. Like they were, they were doing fine. We went on vacation at least once a year. Um, you know, we moved around, but we had nice homes. My dad would do a lot of improvements too, while he was there. And, uh, I didn't have any complaints, you know, we had a great, period of growing up there in my younger years. And then as I kind of hit those double digits, you know, nine, 10, 11 years old and on, it got extremely poor where, um, I can remember, you know, times of trying to dress up rice in different ways so that it tasted like a different meal. You know, it's like, Oh, cinnamon and butter on this cup of rice. And then on the next one, I'll do salt and pepper. And on the next one, I'll squirt some lime or lemon on there. And, um, it made for some very, humbling experiences where I was able to realize how important money is to um, happiness. I don't buy into the whole like money doesn't buy happiness thing. I definitely agree that money alone can't accomplish that. But, uh, you know, like the meme on Facebook says, I'd rather cry my Ferrari than, you know, cry homeless out on the street. Like, um, so you definitely have to have a whole lot more than just money to be happy but it sure does make it a lot easier. And uh, so I always worry about that income type thing. And and I think I would be exactly what you just described where I'm going to retire and be done with my first job. And then it's time to go into my second job. And maybe I don't have to work as hard 
or as long hours, but it's like, I want to know that I have that nest egg that I could live on by myself and pay my bills with, but then I want to go out and make that extra money where I can invest it and make even more money and, or buy all the things that I want, you know, and, and spoil my grandchildren and my children and that kind of thing. I, I do remember a couple of different times where I, Oh my God, I'm hungry again. I got to eat again. Really? Like, and I, I remember when I was first on my own, we were so poor. And I just remember having this breakthrough moment where I'm like, it is expensive to keep a human being going. I got to eat three times a day. How am I going to, how am I ever going to get to a point where I can eat three meals a day and not, and that doesn't just completely, I mean, that's going to go on for the rest of my life. <laughs> you know? um, so yeah, look, I get it. I get it for sure. At the time when, when we first branched out, you know, she was my girlfriend, but now she's my wife and we had a kid and uh, my firstborn and we were making almost minimum wage, just working whatever job we could to make ends meet, living in a very cheap five fifty a month rent duplex, two bedroom, one bathroom. So this wasn't a lavish lifestyle. You know, we had one vehicle between the two of us that we shared. She would wake up, take me to work. And then, um, you know, she would go to work, come back, pick me up, come home. And then when I started getting into EMS and riding an ambulance and working 24 hour shifts, it would be where she would drop me off and I would go to work and then she would go to work, come home the next morning, come pick me up and I would drop her off and then go home. You know, and we had to just kind of like ride share and it was a very interesting time period. We did that same sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And we, I mean, we stood in line at, you know, these assistance places to get free food and free, um, uh, formula for our son. And just, it makes you appreciate what you have now, even when you're in the struggle, you're like, you know what? It's not as bad as it has been before. So I'm, I'm grateful for those things, even though I sure would have loved to have been a trust fund baby. Uh, and, you know, live in the Hollywood Hills and have uh, everything I ever wished <laughs> yeah. for. But it does make me a lot more happy about where I've, you know, made myself in life. Yeah, that would have been it. It would be interesting to have tried that out and, and be like, OK, let me, let me see if I like this. That probably comes with its own set of problems. But, you know, you're like, OK, let me try this. And I don't know. I know what you mean. Heck yeah. <laughs> so are you dishing out free information online anywhere? Is there somewhere I can go to kind of connect with you and learn from you? We're turning all of our, um, my seminars into webinars. Um, so that, that should be done this, this month. Um, and we've started a YouTube channel. So we're, we're building up the YouTube channel. Um, and then the, our website is hollifieldfinancial.com. So everything sort of feeds back into there. But, um, you know, Instagram, we're going to be doing a lot of Instagram reels. We've, we've started shooting those. Um, and we're actually going to start a, a podcast ourselves uh, a little later in the year. Yeah. But I enjoy the heck out of stuff like this. Yeah, man. Po podcasts are definitely a good thing to to get into for a business. So that's exciting to hear. I'm glad that you're going to, you know, release some resources like that. Hopefully our listeners will get out there and support that. And if nothing else, just learn some stuff from you. 
Yeah, well, I've appreciated hanging out. When I'm in Texas, maybe I'll, uh, if I'm out your way, I'll look you up. Maybe we can go hang out. Yeah, we'll compare dates and see uh, if we're going to be in Dallas at the same time period. I got a couple Fort Worth trips and Dallas trips scheduled for this year already. So, got a big gun show I'm going to go to and everything else. So, maybe we'll go hit some golf balls. All right. Well, as always, man, thank you for being on the show and bringing this information to us. We really appreciate the conversation today. Thanks. I had fun. Thanks, buddy. And listeners, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Small Business Origins. You've been tuned in to our nationwide search. You know what we're doing. You know what our goal is. So help us do that by liking and reviewing this podcast and then making sure that you're going and supporting everybody who's on this show, checking out what they have to offer, because I would say probably 90% of the people on this show are giving you free resources on whatever interest or industry that they're in. So please make sure that you're supporting them and getting all that information for yourselves. And as always, this has been another episode, another entrepreneur with an awesome origin story and a company doing great things. And we'll see you next week for the next episode. But as always, stay beefy, my friends. Thanks for listening to another episode of Small Business Origins. I love an origin story. If you like what you just heard, leave us a review, subscribe, and share with a friend. You guys, check this out. They're going to love it. You're going to love it. 